Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I am Josh Horowitz. This is my podcast. This is where I talk to people. This is where I talk to you. Um, my interview guest this week is the fantastic filmmaker known as Mark Webb. Yes, he has a fortunate last name given his last two films. He is the director of The Amazing Spider-Man and, of course, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which is, as of this very moment, out in theaters making a gajillion dollars every single minute. You've probably seen it by now. If not, you probably already have your tickets. Uh, it's everywhere. Uh, and Mark is a fantastic guest on this uh, podcast. He is a, a smart dude, a guy that comes out of the music video world, uh, who, of course, made his leap into films with the fantastic 500 Days of Summer and has made a, a really significant leap in terms of blockbuster filmmaking the last few years with these Spider-Man films. This is a very honest, forthright conversation with Mark, who's a guy I've gotten a chance to chat with a bunch over the years. He's always... Um, Super honest, super forthcoming, and um, I should say there are some spoilers in here. So if you have not seen Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, either bail out now or just listen closely because we do give ample spoiler warning before we get into territory that might be deemed sensitive. Having said that, whether you've seen Amazing Spider-Man 2 or not, this is a really uh, a great conversation with a, a fantastic filmmaker who's got... Who's really just getting started? Three films under his belt, and it's the beginning of a long, fantastic career. Uh, my thanks to Mark Webb, as always, making the time to chat. He dropped by the MTV office in the middle of a crazy whirlwind press tour. Uh, as you'll hear, he is way more coherent than I am, so uh, which isn't really saying much. Uh, but nonetheless, my thanks to the wonderful Mark Webb, and now my thanks to you for listening. And as always, by the way, guys. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you're liking or not liking. Let me know who you want me to talk to. Uh, the Twitter handle is Joshua Horowitz. Um, and, of course, on MTV.com, check out all of our amazing movies coverage. We produce a hell of a lot of great work, both uh, a little bit by me, but, frankly, more so by the fantastic staff at MTV News that churns it out day after day. So check it out over there at MTV.com. And in the meantime, please enjoy this podcast with the fantastic Mark Webb. So Mark, welcome to the office. Thank you. Welcome to my strange orbital probe of a microphone. I love your orbital probe. <laughs> I've been hearing about it for years really? now. Really? People are talking? About your probe? Yeah. That's really weird. Horowitzesprobe.com. Haven't you been there? <laughs> Someone probably has that URL. Yeah. Um, congratulations on the movie, by the way. I Thanks, saw it the man. other night. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. great. Cool. Yeah. And I'll be seeing it again tonight. I loved it. Oh, awesome. great. Great. Um, Thank you. So this, I mean, there's nothing like pro- I can see. You I'm just, I'm, I'm looking at your office. Like I've known you, but I've, I've never known your office. Does this reflect the person that you it, thought uh, you knew? Yeah, yeah, it is. There's, there's. I mean, there's a lot of white left in the walls. You have a lot of more opportunities to decorate. Is there? Uh, be honest with me. Is there too mm. much narcissism here? Is there too much about no, me? No, not at all. I mean, where else are you going to put it? You're not going to put it in somebody else's office. I can't put it in my apartment at home because my wife will just like roll her eyes and hate me. Yeah, like, no, I think it's great. I think it's an appropriate place for it. I think. Uh, um, yeah, and the fact that you acknowledge that there might be a, 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 a some narcissistic component to it is fine. But I think this is great. I think it's to be totally appropriate. You're self-aware, and it's and it's and it's very welcoming. Let's talk about movie paraphernalia. Do you have? Because I've I've some posters up. I have Color of Money. I have Back to the Future. Uh, do you have posters up in your home? I do. What do you got? I have uh, <laughs> the Picnic Hang Rock, 
but I have like the Polish version of that poster. Wow, okay. I have the Year of Living Dangerously, so another Peter Weir movie. I have Kozlowski's Red, which is a you know a Pol- well a, Gen- a movie shot in Switzerland, but it's by a Polish director. Yeah. And then um, in French. And then I have uh, wait the Year of Living Dangerously. Yeah, that's that's. Pr- and then I have Eight and a Half. Okay. Then I have Medium Cool. Okay. Uh, and then I have a couple of Five Hundred Days of Summer posters, but they don't. I di- didn't hang them up. Sure. For the reason that you are they just cool versions of the posters you they, like? They were gifts from like the marketing department. Right. I don't know what to do with them because I feel like a jerk if I hang hung them up. Right. You right. Know. But, no no Spider Man paraphernalia. Uh, I have a a Spider Man poster that was rejected. Okay. From the the movie that was too kind of abstract, but really cool. It's like Spider Man coming kind of swinging through the Brooklyn Bridge. It's very symmetrical, really graphic. Nice. Uh, but I was, I went into the the poster designer's office. And I was like, that is the coolest thing. And you know, I guess the poster didn't test well or something. I don't know. But I I got a copy of it. Have they done? Uh, have you been Mondo-fied yet? Have you? Have they there is a Mondo it? poster for the IMAX version of the of the movie. So. Awesome. Um, which is a much more impressionistic version. Totally. Yeah. Um, So let's talk, I mean, first of all, you're in the middle of this crazy tour. I mean, you know, I've covered movies for a while. You've been a part of this industry for a while, but there's nothing like a press door for a Spider-Man film. Like, these are, like, crazy. It's epic. (laughs) It is. How are you feeling? It's absurd. You know, I've only made three movies, so uh, I I think I've been permanently spoiled uh, as to how a press tour is done because it doesn't seem like... uh, uh, I mean, it seems like a big deal, but it's like it seems like that's the way it is. But I do remember from uh, 500 Days of Summer, like you know, literally on a bus to North Carolina to go to some festival right. to to really shill your movie. It's like you're selling it out out of the back of your car. Yeah. And then this one, you know, you're, we're, we were going. We went to Beijing, Tokyo, Singapore, uh, Paris, London, Berlin, Rome. Uh, then back to New York. I mean, you're everywhere, right. and it's uh, it's absurd. And there's an enthusiasm for the character for Spider-Man, and and I think for the story that's uh, that's coming, and there's a curiosity about this story, uh, which is a little bit controversial at times. That is uh, really exciting, and it's it's it, you you intersect with the world in a right. way that that you when you're making the movie, you're in a bubble, and then you're like, oh my god. This is something that means a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, there, there's a lot of, I want to cover uh, with you. One thing I want to like you mentioned 500 days, and that was the first time I ever spoke to you, and I, I vividly remember. And people ask me, I've been to Sundance now, I think like seven or eight times, uh-huh. and like a memorable moment for me, just as a film goer, it was honestly seeing that first screening of that film that oh, night. Oh, with the Eccles. It was just amazing. It was just oh, such cool. like I mean, I didn't know what to expect. And I feel like a lot of people didn't, and it was just there was such a great energy coming out of that screening. It was crazy. It was, it was so weird. And I think about that every once in a while, just because it was the first time we screened it in front of a, a big audience. Yeah. You know, a couple people had seen the movie before, but it was the first time we had seen it screened, screened it in front of a big audience, and I was terrified. Legitimately, didn't know what to expect, and um, all of us were overwhelmed by it. And it was great because, you know, Scott and Michael, who were the writers, uh, and me. It was our first time to the barbecue. It was our first time, and, and, and it, there was something very special, and we were sort of innocent about it. My parents were there. My friends from high school came, and it was such a massive theater, you know? Yeah. And, and walking out of that and, and the, coming into that environment. I mean, I had worked at Sundance as a volunteer right. when I was in college, and, and, and going back to that theater where I was parking cars just a few years before was 
a real wonderful moment. It was a really it, we felt really blessed, honestly. Had there been had there been close calls in terms of like uh, you'd obviously established a good body of work in music videos mm-hmm. um, in terms of getting a feature off the ground? Had you been offered kind of commercial stuff before? Not really. I mean, there's a f- I was never offered anything. I had to fight for a chance to do anything. And there's you know I tried to get the this there's a movie called The Strangers, which was written by a guy named Brian Bertini who went, went on to direct it that I really wanted to do which is the opposite of 500 Days of Summer. <laughs> um, and then this script came around, and I just was, I remember making a decision, like, I got, I have to do this. Yeah. And I, I created a, a presentation. I really went after it aggressively, and luckily I was able to do it. But before that, I mean, even having done all the music videos, people weren't really paying attention in that way. Mm. You know? were, you, were you comfortable with, with actors from the start? Is there a difference between directing like musicians um, and well, actors? Well, that's a really good question. The, it, it, there is something that's wildly different. Um, you know, when I was in high school and college, I did a lot of theater. I was very interested in, in, in theater, and I loved particularly, weirdly, musical theater when I, was a, when I was a kid, though I can't sing for shit. But the... Um, am I allowed to swear? Yes, please do. Um, I, I, I can't sing. And, and um, does that say the fartest on your... <laughs> Thing. Pooping 101, Fartist. These are ideas for future uh, comedic bits. Pacino slash Chastain. <laughs> Pooping 101 and Fartist. Don't okay, this distracted. is. I'm, I, all right, sorry. We'll talk about um, that later. So, theater, anyway. <laughs> Thespianism. So, I like. Uh, so, I had some experience doing it. And then, um, you know, I did music videos, which is a very different thing. Right. I mean, you're not really getting a performance, uh, a long form performance from, from a, a musician. You're trying to get them to be themselves, which they're very familiar with. It they're in their comfort zone in sure. a way, so there's, there's, you're not pushing them unless you're doing a narrative video, in, in which case usually the act, the the performer really wants to do that. They want to yeah, yeah. act. Um, so, but it's it's different. It's just you're you're. It's like you're telling them exactly what to do and where to move and how to look because you have a, you know three seconds to tell a certain part right. of the story. It's very specific. Um, but working with actors, I had to learn very quickly how to deal with them. I, you can't just say, do this here, and they're like, well, how does that relate to, why would I do that this morning when I, you know, when yesterday in the scene before, right. I was I was really agitated, so I'm going to come into the scene really agitated, and I was like, well, you know, I had to really think about it on a more, on a deeper level, the, the, the nature and the evolution of the performances, but I had remembered that from doing theater, right? you know, and and it, it was a, it was an education to, you know, a trial by fire the first week of 500 Days of Summer and learning how to speak with those guys. But it, it very quickly fell into, um, I really re- learned a lot from Joe and from Zoe. I, mean, about I was going to say, because these are guys also that, despite their youth, had like... Done tons up. of movies. Yeah, and, and, I mean, and Joe did that TV show. Zoe had done a million different things. And as we know from Joe, like, obviously had aspirations to, to direct himself. And Absolutely, knew yeah. About it. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, you know, he was a very smart guy. They're both really smart and very thoughtful about their characters, and you really... Uh, have to dig a little bit deeper, and and that that you know really was like you can't when you're dealing with actors. There's different kinds of actors, sure. But uh, like with Zoe, you can't just say I won't be sad. You can't direct a result. You have to talk about the 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 elements of the soup, like you know how um, what happened that morning, you know what happened in their childhood, their natural disposition towards love or towards romance or towards a certain kind of song. Right. You know, you can't say, you know, you really like Carla Bruni and so you're really excited to hear it. You say, well, you heard the song in Paris four years ago and you haven't heard it since then. It's a really rare song and, right. you, you know, now you're remembering it for the first time. And so learning how to talk to an actor 
in order it, to to engage their character, that was a lesson that that I needed to learn. And, and people talked obviously about the, both the first Spider-Man film that you directed and people that have been lucky enough to see the new one. That obviously so much of what you've brought to it um, is uh, working with the actors and, and that that Andrew Emma relationship, which is kind of the heart and soul of these first two films. Um, and I and I I'm curious like. On these giant behemoths, like, do you have the time to have those conversations? Like, do you have? Oh yeah, I mean that that the, I was working with the, on the script, you know, with the writers and also with Andrew and Emma. Like, I, they would come in and talk through the scenes, and so we we had really prepared beforehand. And then when we're shooting, like, well, listen, on Five Hundred Days of Summer, you had three takes and you're done. Right. You know, here. We could really we could spend the time to generate the kind that to discover things in the moment and right. so for it to feel real. Yeah, I mean there is a, but also in terms of the schedule, I would really prioritize more emotional scenes and and try to make sure to protect the the process of the actors, right. uh, which often really involves time um, in one way or another. Uh, in order to to protect that, but yeah, you do. Uh, that was what was great about you know working on a movie of this sale is that, is that you can indulge in that a little bit. When you okay, so when you're in the mix getting this gig in the first place for mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. how much of it did you go into with kind of mixed emotions? Because you you know I mean like you had one film under your belt. It's this again we talked about this, yeah. this giant behemoth. Mm-hmm. Did you second guess yourself when you were even? making your pitch for it or when it was offered to you like how much did you go in 110% and how much did you have some trepidation well I had finished 500 and I didn't know what to do um, and I I had talked to them about Spider-Man sort of in the abstract and, and I was such a huge Spider-Man fan yeah. I was so curious about it and I was like but I but I was also I was totally ambivalent or resistant too because I was like oh they just made these other movies right. before um, is it worthy and then I just like Amy was like well what would you Amy Pascal who runs the studio um, uh, was like well what would you do what what is your Spider-Man and I went back and I thought about the comics and I thought about it the way it made me, made me feel when I was a kid and I just you know, I, I, there was a moment. It was over uh, Christmas um, of that year, and I just I couldn't sleep. I found myself not being able to sleep, thinking about the possibilities of it. And I was like, I got to do this, and, and then yeah. I went in and, and sort of gave an idea, and, and it really emanated from. I was thinking about who who Peter Parker was from the very beginning, and it came down to like the, to me the definitive moment of his life. I said this before: the definitive moment of his life is not the spider bite; it's him getting left behind by his parents. Right. And what does that do to him as a human? And, and where does that that irreverent humor come from? Where does that sort of punk rock attitude come from? And where does that youthful spirit come from? And um, and where does the, the 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 more you know? There's a lot of tragedy in there. There's a lot of like drama and and the sensitivity that that character has, and that's yeah. that's all comes from that too. Did you um, did you talk to filmmakers you either knew or didn't know before you got on set for the first one? In terms of like, sure. Well, I, when I did music videos, my office was next to a guy named Francis Lawrence, who's now directing the Hunger Games movies, sure. and he at that point had done. I think he just finished I Am Legend, and. Um, so he was somebody that I had sort of looked up to was like the older guy in the music video department <clears throat> and he had made movies and I, I was like I, he had done it I always thought he was smarter and more talented than I was uh, so uh, uh, it didn't really help the cause like naturally he should be doing big movies because right. he's such a brilliant guy um, 
but th- there was he was he was very thoughtful and he's somebody who I knew very well who yeah. who encouraged me and and talked about the visual effects and you know which was the most intimidating component of it right um but it just I think me I think I'm a risk taker a little bit as a human and I I'm always willing to just see what the fuck happens and and I cared enough about it that I felt You'll make comfortable it work. Yeah, well yeah. I didn't know if I was going to make it work honestly I didn't you know but I was like, what are you going to do if you're not willing to make mistakes in life? you got to just go for it. You yeah, know? I, you've been pretty candid in talking about how, like, the, especially you talked, you just mentioned the effects mm-hmm. was kind of like the, the big kind of unknown for you in the first mm-hmm. one. And, and and as good as they were in the first one, I think they're, they're mm-hmm. leaps and bounds better. And mm-hmm. you really yeah. have that experience yeah. of soaring through the air with mm-hmm. Spider-Man in a mm-hmm. great way this time. Do you look back on the first film with more criticism, self-criticism than others do? Or are you generally happy? I mean, how do you kind of look back on the first uh, I don't... It's very hard for me to watch it, to be honest with you. I, 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 it's uncomfortable. But that's true of every movie I've ever made. I haven't watched 500 Days of Summer since it came out. I can't... It's very difficult to see anything beyond the flaws of it. I mean, and I, and I there's... I'm not actually doing... It actually gives me enormous anxiety. I feel really bad. I do, when I watch those things. Because there's things... I always feel like I could have done things better. Um, there are occasionally music videos that I've made where I'm like, ah, you know what? That worked. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, Is that just because, again, it, it's precise. You have like three and a half minutes to like, and you can kind of control every single element. And- yeah, probably. Well, I actually think it's just chance. Okay. Like everyone wants to watch, and things that I like, it just sort of ends up working out. But it's, it is. Like I'm very proud of the first movie, and I think mm-hmm. we accomplished something. I think what, what happens particularly with Andrew and Emma and that relationship between Peter and Gwen is very different, and there's parts of it that are, I think are, are good that I'm really proud of, but it's it's, it's that's just a mental thing. That's just right. a, a, a self hatred. Uh, that, that <laughs> that's why we get along. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, but but it is. It, yeah. No. I know. Well, it's <laughs> so it's what, an important part of being an artist. Exactly. Isn't it? <laughs> what um. So what, what, I'm just curious. What do you beat yourself up about? And uh, generally speaking, about the the first one. Well, I think we didn't do enough action early on. I think that there is, um, you know, I think the, some of the visual effects I thought I could have done uh, better on. I mean, there's all sorts. I don't want to get into okay, it no too worries. much. But listen, anything that anybody has ever written or said about that, you know, you, you, I, I'm acutely <laughs> more, more aware of than you could ever possibly imagine. Um, I, I don't, I'm debating internally right now whether we want to, and we can give spoiler warnings, talk about some spoiler stuff. Do you want to talk spoiler stuff or no? Well, when is this going to air? We can put it on after. We can put it out after. What do you think? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, let's say yeah, we'll do. Okay, there's well, going to okay, be. Okay. Yes, okay, let's, so, let's let's do let's it. Say some spoiler as as warnings it, right now. Spoiler: people, If you haven't seen the movie by now, uh, get D to a theater and see it. Um, mm-hmm. Because I mean, uh, one of the things I want to talk about is what I really, frankly, appreciate about the new film. Is as much as I frankly I really like the other Marvel movies, the Avengers and Captain America. Yeah, is, they're fantastic. The, is I want consequences in a film. I yeah. want when someone yeah. someone dies, they should stay dead. Yeah, and <laughs> that hasn't happened in, in a lot of other comic movies. Yeah, and uh, because of what you built in the first two and that relationship, um, the death of Gwen Stacy really yeah. means a lot, and it really it's a powerful moment. Well, the the comic books. Uh, that came out in 1971. It was Amazing Spider-Man 121, the, the night Gwen Stacy died. Um, it was written by Jerry Conway. Uh, it was probably the most controversial comic book uh, ever, I would say. One, certainly one of the most in Spider-Man, if not of all comics. Been, but things changed because people suddenly, they didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Simply because there is consequence. I mean, it's like you, you watch Game of Thrones and you're like, 
you don't when somebody when, the, when a sword comes out, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, anything could happen. Anything yeah. could happen, and it, and it's going to be real. And and that's the 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 you know what's I think very important about storytelling. One of the big parts of storytelling is is um it's about healing and it's about recovery and it's about resonating and about um and and this but but healing. In order to for that to have impact, it has to come from you have to come from a very deep place. It has, the wounds have to be deep and feel real yeah. in order for the, the the healing to to have to mean something to matter. And I think all movies it, it happens in romances when you know uh, the great love stories they don't always end up together. Yeah, and yeah. you have to have that. Ones, they don't absolutely. I mean, <laughs> Casablanca, Shakespeare in Love. Uh, you know, uh, that's a really. Uh, it, it happens a lot. It's very, it's very powerful, and I think because it's very real. And and to me, when I think about the movie and what what the last sequence is really about, it, it, the the theme of the movie is you have to value the time you have with the ones you love. It's about time, and and the time you have together. And the first shot of the movie is a ticking clock, and Richard Parker says, "I always wish I had more time." And then Gwen's speech, Stacy, in her speech is like, "You know, time is luck." And then the last uh, sequence of the movie takes place in a clock tower where Spider-Man is holding the cogs of the wheel with, and he can't stop time. Even a superhero can't stop time. And I think that's something. It's why it feels real, and it's why why it resonates. And 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 um, it's something that I wanted to do from the very beginning. That's something. It's actually we were building that up from the first movie, and and rather than making it palatable by making the romance or the relationship tweet I, you know you just we ended up giving you know getting a great gift in the chemistry between Andrew and Emma um, which makes that moment I think doubly impactful totally you know what um does that also scare you a little bit going into because uh, you are doing the third one yes mm-hmm. you uh, I mean you kind of have to Start a little bit from scratch, and I mean, I, the, the pluses are the first two movies. The heart and soul has been that relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the scary part is it's scary. The first two movies has well, it's scary for it's scary for Peter Parker too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that's it's funny, like all those processes that the character goes through, we all go through as as creators, and and um, you know, I imagine, I, you know, we're still working on what that exactly will be, but it's you know, if if there was, we've seen. Spider-Man no more. I think the next movie will be Peter Parker no more. I think it'll be about this guy who's, um, you know, who's committed to being Spider-Man but is afraid of, you know, connecting to anybody yeah. as a as a real human being. Are you um, are you looking forward to as much as you've loved this this franchise? Um, starting to mix it up a little bit. I mean, are you going to be able to do anything until after three? I don't know. I don't know how that's all going to unfold. Honestly. Um, I you know I love Spider Man and, and and being able to work on this uh, is been really fantastic and it's so in my blood. Uh, but yeah, you know I'm, there's the stories that I've am curious about telling outside of that. Um, a lot of scripts that have and ideas that I'm working on. Um, but it's hard to focus on that while we're you know doing a movie like this. Yeah, I would think though that part of the beauty of this also is like. Once you can helm one of these and know you can steer this gigantic ship, mm. it's got to give you some confidence going forward. That like, okay, if I can steer something this big, well, and yeah, some kind of humanity in it, and right. I mean, it's a different muscle though. Like this is, you know, again with Five Hundred Days of Summer, it was so much about like my friends and I making this little movie under the radar, and we, we built it ourselves. And these, the filmmaking is different because you're you're supporting 
there's iconic elements of the character that you have you cannot violate. Right. You know, Spider-Man's a good guy. He's trying to do good. Peter Parker is imperfect and stumbling through life. They, that tension. I mean, it, it, between those things, it, there's all th- those things that you're obliged to. Yeah. Um, which kind of ties your hands a little bit in terms of it. it well, it guides you, but also uh, uh, it's very specific in what kind of movie it, it will become. Right. Um, so there is a part of it that you know me that wants to do something completely radically different. I mean, there's certainly you know you sure. occasionally fantasize about that, but. You know, we'll see how that evolves. When, when you saw, I'm curious when you went, when you talked about that, it, it occurred to me. I remember the, all the hullabaloo from the comic fans last summer with like Man of Steel, and they all went up in arms about like Zach um, making the choice and the writer of David Gordon making the choice yeah. that he killed Zod at the end. Were you kind of like sympathetic, being like, "Oh, I, I, I they're trying to do something different." Yeah. Um, you, you know, you're you're caught between a rock and a hard place a lot of times with these making of these movies. I mean, listen, it's a great honor. Um, but as storytellers, I think everybody's trying to keep people excited and interested, and you're always trying to push, take whatever license you can without violating the, the sort of iconic elements of that character, yeah. whatever that character is. Um, and I think you are required to reinvent certain things. And I think that's, you know, they made bold choices, and they're known for that, and they should be. Uh, I mean, I have maybe more sympathy than, than other people. I think they really admire. Uh, what they're trying to accomplish. Sure. So you mentioned that obviously having a great affection for this character growing up. Were you a yeah. big like comic? Yeah, I, comic I, there's a, a comic book store down the street from me called Capital City Comics, uh, owned by a guy named Bruce Ayers. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, and he, uh, yeah, I used to. I mean, I would go there. I would get Gru the Wanderer. Oh my God! You Sergio literally just Aragonis. said like the one comic that I was obsessed with as a kid. Yeah, that was unbelievable, <laughs> wasn't it? It's the funniest comic ever. I always thought that I heard John Favreau was attached to make it. Oh really? Yeah. I remember back way back when I was a kid, like uh-huh. there was talk that like Gerard Depardieu would play. That's perfect. perfect. What great back casting. in the day. Yeah, or like you mean, Will Ferrell could do it or something like that. <laughs> Jack Black would be great. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of the that's the comic book fan site version of Gru the Wanderer. You know who else I bought a filmmaker was that also I don't know if you know is a huge Gru fan is uh, Ryan Johnson. Oh, really? Ryan Johnson, like same kind of conversation. You're he, kidding! He I know Ryan really well. He I, mentioned Gru, and my eyes lit up the same way. Oh, he would do a great <laughs> Gru the Wanderer. Maybe Gru the Wanderer should be a TV series. What do you think? I'd watch that, but mm-hmm. live action or animated? Mm, either one, probably animated because right? you could kill more people. Right, <laughs> but. Um, but he's. It came out. It was sort of a reaction to Conan the Barbarian, wasn't sure. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but and Sergio Aragonés, who of course did all the Mad Magazine right. stuff. Um, yeah, he was that. That I. I. I've actually gone back and looked at. It. It's, it's. It's pretty funny stuff. It's pretty incredible. It's expanded the vocabulary. I remember just like it was a very smart, well written. Yeah, absolutely. It really comic. was very thoughtful. Yeah. I, I love those. <laughs> That's the comic book that I was sort of it's most so into. Funny. And then, like when I was really, when I was much younger, I used to read Elf Quest. Mm-hmm. Okay, like there's little, like short series like Robotech, Robotech Macross Saga. I remember liking GI Joe. There was a, a comic book called Scout that was, in, you know, I was into. You know, Spider Man actually at the beginning I was little. It was sort of a, not above my head, but it was like it was hard to step into the universe because you it's didn't know the bit, yeah. yeah. There's like all these other things going on. And it was a little harder, but then gradually, as you get older, it was Peter Parker right. that was easy to connect to. Like his problems were so relatable. relatable. Yeah, exactly. You know? I have the same kind of thing on the television side with like Doctor Who. It's like I know I should dive in, yeah. but the fact that there's like 40 years of history, I get I get frightened. Like, yeah, I don't have that kind of time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you uh, are you of the opinion that like this crazy 
comic book um, taking over the movie industry thing that's happened, especially in the last uh-huh. 10, 15 years, is going to, does it run its course at a certain point? or is Well, it the audience will tell us, won't they? I mean, yeah. they, they have all the control, whether or not they, they think they do. They certainly have all the control. And, and I mean, clearly there's an appetite for it. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, like, going again, going around the world, like, there is, oh, we are a world that is, literally at war, figuratively at war, divided by religion, politics, national borders. It is really awesome to see some of these characters that everybody believes in. It doesn't matter if you're in Russia or China or Tokyo. And there's a sort of an uncynical engagement, especially amongst the kids. Yeah. And if you can get like, I mean, it's hard to think about two kids that love Spider-Man going to war with each other down the road. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's stupid and maybe that's silly and maybe that's, you know, gimlet-eyed, but... I. There's something really warming and thought. I, I like that. It's really fun to be kind of uncynical about a movie for a second. And, yeah. And you know whether or not people like it. You know whether or not there, there's a, a a point of market saturation. I mean, that, again, the audience will tell us. Yeah. Are you? Big, I mean, do you have time to kind of like absorb whether it's television? Film, comics. Um, I've seen. Here. I've gotten to see thanks to on demand stuff. I mean, I'm totally caught up on Game of Thrones, except for the, I haven't seen the last one. I love Amy Schumer. Uh, she's hello, my lady. I can watch that over she's and over again. Yeah. She's so funny. There's a lot uh, of great comedy on TV now. I feel like. Yes, TV I agree. Well, there's great. There's great. Um, just TV all around. Yeah. So I've been seeing more TV than than movies. I mean, I haven't seen Captain America, which kills me because yeah. I've heard it's really good. Um, I feel like a jerk for not seeing it, but I, I will. I'm going to see it very shortly. You have a good excuse. Yeah. Um, do you miss uh, music videos at all? What's I do. Last, I do. I think the last music video I did, what was it? It was probably a Green Day video okay. uh, for maybe 21st Century Breakdown or something like that. But I do miss it. Well, you know, did I do something with Rich? I don't remember. Um, do, you get, but, do, you, do they come to you and you just are too well? Busy? I can't. I haven't yeah. had time. Yeah. You know, I would do it. They don't make music videos in the same at the same rate that they used to. Right. You know, um, God, I spent so much time in this building at MTV I'm before. Sure. Like this is. I, I don't know if I told you, but I was here like in in 2000. I was on the road with No Doubt doing behind the scenes videos okay, and uh, doing New Year's, New Year's Eve 1999 2000. I I was holding up the cue cards for Gwen Stefani when she was doing End of the World. As we know it, and uh, it was such a great and such a magical Amazing. night. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. was? What was? How did you? Okay, we haven't even talked really like background. Mm. How did you even get into the first directing gigs? Well, I moved. I went to school in Colorado. I moved out, and I worked for a writer, and I worked for a guy named Doug Prey, who did music documentaries. One of these great music music documentaries called Hype, which is about Seattle, the Seattle grunge scene. I worked on that movie for him for a while, and he taught me how to edit. And then I would do a lot of editing gigs, and eventually I started editing music videos. And I did I would do behind the scenes like EPK stuff for for A and M Records and for bands. And then A and M got bought by Interscope, and then I sort of started hanging out with all the people at that record label, even though I was a freelance guy. And I was like, you know, I can direct stuff if you want. And so I started directing little press kits and and behind the scenes stuff. And that's how and I would edit them because I could do all that stuff. Right. I would shoot them. I would edit them. Edit them. I would produce them. I would direct them. And um, that's how I went on the road with No Doubt for like six months. And that was really great because I would shoot all their shows. Right. And actually that really was informative because I couldn't, I couldn't conduct them. I couldn't direct them. Sure. I had to sit and observe yeah. and watch them and, and just be aware all the time. And that trained me into like thinking about how to do the coolest shots and how to get, how to get the right angles. And then – 
you know, gradually when I started doing music videos, I could conduct them and, and orchestrate things a little bit more. It became, uh, it developed that other part of things. But it, 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 what was great about, I mean, gradually I just did little music videos and then we'd do bigger and bigger music videos. What was great about music videos, and I, was, I did many, many, I probably did over 100, like there was this, every time I wanted to try something, whether I wanted to do like an action movie or I wanted to do like a little romance or I wanted to do just a performance video, I kept, there was always, I could always kind of reinvent myself. Sure. You know? What do you consider, I mean, I, I, you know, when people ask me for advice in this industry, mm-hmm. um, I often say the kind of thing you were just saying. It's like, you know, become a jack of all trades. Know yeah. how to write, know how to do the interview, know how to do your own research uh-huh. and all that. It sounds like it's the same is applicable in, in your Did end, Did you start interning at MTV? I was an intern at uh, Charlie Rose. You're kidding. Yeah, Did we for, talk about that? I think we have it. Some, uh, maybe. I, I worked for Charlie for four years. Did you polish the oak table? <laughs> is that a you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, no, but it was invaluable. I mean, I, I researched and wrote all the questions and like, you know. Oh, so he's, it's, uh, we did Charlie Rose in the first movie. Uh, he's a hero of mine. Like, he's, he's uh, such an incredible interviewer. And you go into that space and it's like a black vault. Yeah. Totally quiet. And he zones <laughs> in on cameras, you. There's nobody in there but you and him. He's incredible. Yeah. He's, it's, it's, he's almost as good as Horowitz, but not quite. Thank you. <laughs> Let him know next time I see him. Yeah. Um, but I guess my point was like, it, what do you say to, to aspiring filmmakers in terms of like, is it is it good to be a jack of all trades well, in the editing? And you the, know, the, something that happens with with uh, I think a lot of young filmmakers, you know, you I mean, I, th- I first and foremost just make stuff, and I think you're you're allowed to make stuff now more than you ever were. Yeah. But there's also this. I think there is a sometimes there is people are. Um, too anxious to move to accelerate their career right. rather than focusing on the craft. And I think in order to focus on the craft, you just have to do it. But you also have to, I say this a lot, you have to be self-critical without being self-loathing mm-hmm. because you don't want to give up, but you have to be really honest about the work that you're creating. Right. And, and it's very easy when you don't have a lot of tools or experience to just make something get really frustrated and think it's crap and just throw it away and give up. Yeah. But if you can be like, you know what, this is, this was bad, this was bad, this is bad, but this thing actually worked, you know, yeah. I, and I want to build on that, and I maybe this this didn't work because of this, and this didn't look right because I didn't use the right lens, or maybe I didn't light it right, and maybe, you know, I have to study how to do this. I think that is um, really imperative, and like everybody's when you're starting out, there's this. Like I want to get an agent to yeah, like read my screenplay, yeah, yeah. And you're like, yeah. it just takes a long time and a lot of focus and a lot of hard work. I mean, I always say like for people that like, you know, I'm, I have the most improbable on-air career ever. <laughs> but like, I didn't know anything on camera until I was like 30, and I know mm. in, in this day and age, it's like unheard of. It's like you feel like you have to be 16 you weren't years old, like Gideon Yago, right? <laughs> at 20, at 13 it, on camera. It feels like it only happens that way, but there are other paths. Yeah, Just buy your time. Yeah, Except right. For Charlie Rose. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, but, but yeah. I mean, was that your objective? Was to be on no, camera? Honestly, it was. I mean, I did like uh, college radio and stuff, and I yeah. enjoyed interviewing people mm-hmm. myself. But it was right. It was happenstance. I see. I want to wrap yeah. up. Yeah. Um, did you? Really? <laughs> no. Oh, well. I'm so surprised how coherent you are given the last like week or two of your life. Uh, no, you get used you, to talking. I'm a little dazed. I was telling Eileen on the way here, like yeah. I'm a little lightheaded, but you know, what are you going to do? You were remarkably coherent today. What's, uh, how much more of this do you have? We have a, a cherry day tomorrow. We're doing a lot of great things with Spider-Man. Like these, uh, uh, it's called Stay Amazing. It's a campaign that's like, you know, there's a lot of uh, community outreach and right. bringing attention to these great things, sustainability efforts and so on. Uh, so we're doing that tomorrow and then uh, it's just a couple, a couple more days of press, and then, and then it's you know, 
wait for the, Who the, knows? the, the money bags to just roll in. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't quite work that way for me, unfortunately. It's not like the old days. But, but you do know, I mean, I was saying to somebody uh, last night um, uh, that, like, I mean, it's opened up internationally as we mm. take this uh, yeah. in some markets, and it's done quite well. It's done quite well, exceptions yeah. uh, quite yeah. good, so you should yeah. feel good. I feel all right, yeah. <laughs> um, it's always good to see you, buddy. And I'm actually going to see you tomorrow at, that, oh, great. Uh, at the school event and tonight at the premiere, so okay, you'll be sick cool. with me. All right. That sounds good. I can never get to see you, Josh. <laughs>